sponsored by Magnum Non-Dairy. I want all of the indulgence of Magnum ice cream without sacrificing anything. Magnum ice cream believes in more chocolate, more sauces, and more of what makes you, you. Magnum ice cream celebrates everyone who presents themselves to the world in the boldest way without settling for less. Because when it comes to chocolate, indulgence, and you, more is always more. Magnum non-dairy bars deliver the decadence you love and expect from Magnum ice cream in a dairy-free treat. Made with Belgian chocolate and a rich dream base, Magnum's non-dairy frozen desserts bring non-dairy dessert lovers even more opportunities to indulge in the ice cream aisle. Magnum's mini non-dairy frozen dessert variety pack comes with non-dairy classic and non-dairy almond. They are perfectly sized mini bars to feed your chocolate cravings. Follow Indulgence to MagnumIceCream.com to discover every flavor and find Magnum Ice Cream at a store near you. Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Violette. She is a makeup artist, the girl in, don't judge me for how I'm pronouncing it, I am not French, creative director for makeup and founder and CEO of Violette FR, which is an incredible skincare and makeup brand. And she moved to New York City with nothing, no experience, and has now become an incredibly successful makeup artist, brand owner, and global beauty ambassador, as well as creative director. So I really enjoyed this episode. She's very down to earth. Take a listen. Welcome to the podcast, Violette. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm such a huge fan. It is my dream to have your red lips. So thank you for joining me today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. So I would love to go back to your 19-year-old self. Um, You were studying fine arts and you wanted to be a fashion designer or a painter. What was that moment for you that shifted everything? I was I was at home with my friend and we had this costume party. <laughs> it's a bit like a a movie like a comedy moment. And uh she's like, "Okay, just put put glitter on my face." I'm like, "Well, I never did makeup ever before." She's like, "Well, you paint, you'll be fine." So I I do that. I really enjoy. I do it on myself and I'm like, "This is kind of painting a face and dressing up a face at the same time so both of my loves in one and I was really at the time struggling between the two to find like okay now I need to focus on one and I couldn't and so that was it and uh, for this little story we went to the party and we were the only one wearing costume which was hilarious (laughs) and what do you think it was about that moment that you thought okay this I'm going to pursue this you had no experience in makeup or yeah you know, that arena. So what did you think to yourself at that moment that then said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And what happened from there? Well, I guess that's how I am. I'm an Aries. <laughs> so every time I decide this is, this is what I want to do, I'm just going to go full steam. So the next day I came back home and I just took a calendar. I closed my eyes. I don't even know why I did that and put my finger on it. And it was like, oh, in two weeks I'm leaving for New York because I thought, that I wanted to do it somewhere else. It, it was strange. It was like something was carrying me into that direction. I don't want to explain. So I just did that. And and then that was my number one focus. So I had to find an apartment. Uh, I didn't have paperwork. I was going to be there just for a few months. And then I went back to Paris for years before I came back living here. 
And uh, I and I just it's like when I get my mind on something, I'm just gonna do it. So you you were starting out. You had no experience, no makeup kit, no pigments, and then it didn't work out at first when you were in New York. So in your head at that moment, you know what caused you to say, "Okay, I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna go back to Paris." And how did you then make the decision to come back to New York? So I didn't come back to Paris because it was not working. It was it was working in the sense that it was doing everything I I was supposed to do, which was testing. When you start as a makeup artist, you should assist and test. I didn't want to assist because I didn't want to be trained as a classic makeup artist. I wanted to do my own way, which was using fashion and and my art background um, as uh, what's gonna it is gonna be for me as a makeup artist. So I didn't want to assist. So I didn't have paperwork, so I always knew it was going to be a short trip, like a few months. And so um, what was hard is the life there was really, really hard and finding money and nobody wanted to hire me. And, and I knocked on the doors of so many models and agencies to have them test, you know, give me some test work, and which they did. And so I started to work a lot for free because nobody was paying you for tests, obviously. And so then at some point I was like, okay, I have a book, a portfolio where I have enough images now to come back home basically and show my work. And so that's what I did. And so in, in the process of showing your work, how did you get discovered? You know, I read that you were discovered by Vogue France and that helped launch your career. But I think, you know, looking back, my dream was like, oh my gosh, Vogue's going to discover me. And you know, I had to wait in the waiting room and Anna never came. Um, <laughs> she sent her lowly assistant to come talk to me. So how did you get that meeting and, you know, get all those connections? Back to France, I, I really focused on the fashion industry and uh, and I was working really hard my way there. Um, I was a bit considered like an alien because I never seen anyone. So nobody could really, you know, it's just such a small snob network like little world that to get in if people don't know how they can like pinpoint but like know where you're from like who did you assist nobody who are you like it was just confusing people and also at the time makeup artists like glam team um and that's something i've been told a lot like you need to look more humble physically like you <laughs> which was the most insane thing that i heard you need to don't basically don't show up at work like I was with like my Panama hat, my little suitcase, lipstick on, sometimes heels. Like I, I, I don't know. I felt really good in my own skin, and I, I'm just celebrating myself basically with taking care of myself. And that sometimes created a bit of a pushback from people on set. And uh, so I was doing this, and in the meantime, well, you know how it is in the beginning. You make zero money, so. I had a few, no, actually I had only one client that was a private client that I would do, Patricia Goldman. She was like the biggest PR in the fashion industry at the time. And uh, she was looking for a makeup artist to do her makeup. I was lucky enough to meet her and I did her makeup and she became like this aunt, you know, that you see and every time she was looking at me doing her makeup, I was like, why are you looking at me like this while I do your makeup? It's making me feel awkward and say, no, because... I just know one day you'll be a star. Wow. And I was laughing so hard. I'd be like, okay, Patricia, I got great. <laughs> and then one day she's, she told me, no, she told me a few times, like, you need to meet, you need to meet Karen. She's going to love you. You need to meet her. 
said, yeah, of course, that'll be my dream to meet her. And uh, and I think she talked to, to about me to Karin a few times before Karin was like, okay, great, I want to meet her. And th- that's Karin's strength, is that she's really like a hunter for talent, for new talent, and she doesn't care if you know and if you assisted anyone. Like, she doesn't care about any of it. Uh, she just want to see what you have in your guts, basically, and... Uh, and so Patricia came back one day and she was like, okay, Karin told me you could call her office and meet her. And um, so I called her office and her son was like, who are you? <laughs> like, you want to be an appointment with Karin? Because she didn't ask her assistant directly, you know, such an awkward moment, but I didn't care. I was like, I'll try everything to meet her. Um, and she said, I'll call you back. And then she called me back and gave me a, an appointment, which was such a big moment for me and uh, and I remember when I came to her in her office for the first time, like she scanned me from head to toe with this, in this like, you know, silence. <laughs> and I felt like, oh my gosh, like, oh, is she analyzing if I'm like the right fit for the magazine or what? That was, uh, yeah, so it all started from there, basically. And after she scanned you up and down, did she then open up and, and you clicked or did she sort of say, let's see what you got? She looked at me and she said, is that a Balenciaga skirt? And it was it, it was uh, it was a friend of mine who actually I borrowed it from, and I I did you know because I heard so many times in the industry that I was too chic or too like you know I should look more humble whatever that means I could have thought maybe I should look more humble to that meeting but I really wanted to be who I was because I wanted to be accepted as I am at the time. Like it was very important for me. So even if it was Karin and maybe she would have been like the rest of the industry, I just didn't give a shit in that sense. Like I wanted to be accepted by her exactly how I was. So I came with my love for fashion, with my red lipstick on my heels, this Balenciaga skirt I borrowed and and so when she asked me this, I didn't know if she would say, like it or not. So I said, yes. And then she said, you're a French Vogue girl. And she said, okay, sit down. Let me, sh- let me look at your portfolio. So I was like, okay, good. And then she looked at it and she said, um, I want to see what you do when you're completely free from anybody else's perspective on the shoot, like when you were the creative director. Because I think you have a desire of, uh, telling stories rather than really focusing on the makeup part. And I was really mind blown because that's exactly how I was without even knowing it. And so she pressed a button in me, like, you know, the lights went on. Like, suddenly I was like, okay, I know who I am. Like, she, it was incredible. So she said, uh, do five tests for me, like five photo shoots as a test. Were you the creative director of the shoot? Like, you working for French Vogue and come show it to me. And so, I really believe in life you have luck. That's super important. But you have to work your ass up. So I had that luck to meet her. But then I, I was like, okay, now I need to really show up because that's an incredible opportunity. So for one month and a half, I went, I cast like 120 girls. I created like a whole like book with five stories, with editorials, what I wrote pieces. I shot everything with photographers. And at the time, it was super glossy style. Like, it was a very, like, Metal Marcus type of work. And I did the opposite. I did no retouching. So none of the images were retouched. Uh, but I really did, like, a mini French Vogue and uh, print, print it. And then it was time to give her. And then, then I was really, really, really nervous. 
also, you know, I had to produce this myself, organize all myself, like everything with no money. So it was, it was a very, very hard work, but I just loved so much the opportunity to be completely free and thanks to her basically. And, and then I dropped the, 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 the piece at her office and her assistant was like, you want to stay? She'll be happy uh, to sit with you. And I was like, no, no, no I can't. <laughs> they, I put so much work in this. Now it's like, I'm too emotional with this piece. I, I, I need to digest. I, I think I need her to see it on her own and she'll tell me what she thinks. And so I really, I ran away and, and, and then she called me on my cell phone and uh, that was probably the most impactful phone call I had in my life. She really loved what she saw and 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 she told me amazing things and then next thing I knew, like I had an article in French Vogue saying with a picture of me saying the new face of fashion. And that was it. That's how I started and I'm forever grateful. Wow. That's pretty incredible. But it also shows the work you had to do to get that. And I'm sure if you hadn't done that work, it would be a much different outcome. Sure. So let's go, let's fast forward a bit. After after people saw that article, you signed with Dior as a makeup designer. Then you were led to roles at Sephora, at La Mer, at Estee Lauder, and now as at Guerlain. Guerlain. And so how did those, each one of those sort of come about? And where did you find your ability to sort of flex and grow within each of those roles? Because they all are very different. Yes, and that's really what I loved um, is the diversity in um, in all this work. And everybody asked me today, like, how do you do to have ideas for Ghana and have ideas for your brand? And I'm like, you know, I've been doing this all my life. Like, when you're creative, that's what you need to be creative, like to work from one subject on another. And it's like an artist working on only one piece all his life. You know, you're going to work on different pieces with different themes and and um, and I really loved it. And when I work for a maison, I'm the guest. I'm like the designer in my head. So I bring what I believe in and what I see for the house, but I'm not, it's not me, which my brand is. So that really helps kind of like differentiate everything. Um, Dior came to me when I was 26 years old, indeed, uh, shortly after, like a few years after I started to work with French Vogue. It was kind of incredible because they... I mean, Dior is LVMH baby, and so the pressure is completely insane. Uh, but somehow, and I think that's a French way of working that I really respect, and also how the group see creative is really great. Like, they really let me be free. Like I said to them, I don't want to do any exclusivity contract-wise when I talk to the press. Nobody wants to hear that I only love Dior. Nobody's going to believe it. Let me be smart about it, using my common sense, and just be authentic. And I, when I say I love this product from Joe, people will believe me because I'm not talking about every single product and I'm talking about other brands. And I was the first makeup artist ever with a contract like this to get that. And so they, they trusted me on this. And then they gave me responsibility on some things that when I think back, I'm like, wow, that's kind of crazy because I was such a baby and they trusted me on some very big things. And they let me be who I was, and my, my, I was very, like, raw back then, and, and they were fine with it. So they let me kind of run wild for three years, and I had a lot of fun, even though it was so much work and a lot of pressure. Um, it just helped me to understand 
marketing. Like I, I learned marketing then, like in a huge way. And then, you know, I've been working with all these brands, but all this time I was still doing fashion shows and, and shooting for magazine. And what Car Karin like brought me is this uh, credibility as a art director, basically. So magazine will call me and ask me what type of story I wanted to do, and I will kind of manage the whole thing. And that has been amazing to to be able to really express um, things at the time. And so when I left, I was doing this, uh, but then Sephora came to me for their own brand and asked me to help them reposition the brand, like look at the products that are really great, how to push them, what to develop, uh, the, the image, the campaign and stuff. So that that was also very, uh, so then I learned, like almost, it felt almost like a startup and it was more mass. That was very, that was very inspiring to go back to something that was not so luxurious. And that's, fed me a lot and then and then I was then that's when I decided to move to New York um, because I knew I wanted to do my brand and uh, I always said I wanted to have my company to be a French car but with American gas <laughs> so I love that that's why, that's why I wanted to move to the US so I I was really at the time the peak of my career in Europe working every single day like it was really insane and uh, and then I was like this is it I leave. I leave everything behind. And people are like, are you freaking nuts? And I said, no, this is what I'm going to do. I, I want to do my brand. It's going to take me a few years to build a name in the U.S. I have to basically do what I've been doing in France. I have to do it again there. It was eight, eight, eight years ago, so I was 31. I said, it's going to take me a few years, so I, I have to go now. So I left really everything and started from scratch there. And... Um, I had the first eight months where I was absolutely not working and I worked on my brand, like what would be the art direction, what would be the aesthetic, what would be the looks. And as soon as that was ready in my head, boom, work started to come and I was able to do those looks in those editorials, which was an amazing way to test if the audience will like it, which they did. And then I started to build my community. Then there was a real need to learn and I the, the connection with people just brought so much dimension and humanity to my work. I was like, this is it. I need to connect with them. So I decided to do my YouTube channel, which again, is another thing that my age were like crazy to do that. Uh, because at the time it was really not cool. Um, you finally made it in the US and now you're going to do this. I'm like, listen, it brings so much joy for me to help people, empower them with beauty so they can feel the artist and the music at the same time, like, I want, I want to do it. And I did. And that's when SLR came to get me. So I feel like, you know, it, it happens, all these experiences happen for a reason because it really took me to the place I am now with all this knowledge, thanks to, thanks to them, basically. So it seems like from afar that you are not scared of risk. so has that always been that way for you or it was something that over time you got more and more comfortable with that's a good question um i always say this like i don't know i was born with a very strange thing i do have fear in my private life every time i was with my kids i don't know if you have that too i feel like that's that's pretty common but yeah i can't you like, you know yeah. what I'm going to say. You see every risk that could happen to them in that room. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I know fear. Uh, but in my work, it's, a, it's so weird. I have zero fear. And it's not like, 
oh my gosh, I have so much trust in myself. It's, it's not, it's like I'm numb more than I'm overconfident because I don't think I'm the best. I don't think at all, like, uh, I know everything, but like, absolutely not. And I don't think what I'm doing is better than anyone. So it has nothing to do with this. It's really like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm numb there. In, I don't have the fear thing for work. But that's, you know what, like, people are like, oh, do you wish your kids have that? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> I think I got really lucky to use all these risks I took for the best in my life. Um, but so many times I could have failed, you know. So I don't know. I'm going to argue that I would dare say that's not numb. I think everyone has the areas of their life where they have issues or they don't or fears or not. And yours happens to be in in an incredible, like yours happens to be absent from a place where most people find it. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I think if you were numb, you wouldn't be as successful as you are. (laughs) Well, I'm definitely not numb in everything else. I'm very, very, very sensitive. Yeah. But the fear thing is not there, which, yeah, but you're right. So let's talk about being the face of your brand. You're on your website as one of the faces. Um, You have your Instagram. It's your product. And a lot of people ask me this, like when it's yours, it hits differently. Or if it's your name or you're the face, there's not a lot to hide behind, right? (laughs) So how do you approach that? And, And when do you say, okay, this is the brand and this is me? I guess it's pretty fluid, like I, I really for my brand it's really like blood my blood, sweat and tears and soul. Like I I don't separate it from my from my own private like my own feelings, like my own personal life. Like I, I don't share like I'm not using social media with like I don't show my private life really on social media. So I think if I was doing this it would maybe me I would need to be more separation or something, but yeah, work-wise, like it, I work from what I have the most true ever. Like every Sunday, I write a newsletter about things that are very private because I think if if what I'm experiencing can and what I'm going through can inspire people to feel like they're not alone, or what I came up with to feel better can help them, like. I just, I just also really think in the beauty industry, we, we celebrate perfection so much that I really want to show that that's not real and, and have a real talk with people. And that's probably one of my favorite aspects of, of the work I do is this moment I take to, to, to talk with my community. But so really, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, com- it's a very hard word to say for me, compartmentalize. Yes. <laughs> Compartmentalize, yes. Anything at work for my brand. That's amazing. And then how do you manage, you know, mom of two, creative director at Gerlin, your own brand, how do you sort of put up the boundaries and manage your life and world? So I'm very organized and pragmatical. And sometimes I surprise people because they expect to because I'm very creative, they expect to find someone that's going to be like everywhere in, in her head. And I'm really not, I'm very, very focused and like laser focused and very organized. Like we just finished with my team, the next four years plan where I worked on 
the strategy and, and, and connected, you know, with the team, we connected all the, like, everything that you connect to, like, the org, the organization of the company, which the finance aspect of it, like, I, I the product development, I'm very organized because I feel like everybody has a sharp focus on something, we're just going to give our best, and I don't want people to lose time with the fragile organization, and, and I think it anchors me, and then when I'm anchored, then I can be super creative and because I'm really, really not rigid though. And so I think this is helping me to be able to manage things because I really pick and choose what to focus on. But then when I pick this focus and like, I'm going to give everything I have. That's the first one. The thing and the second thing is I, I have an amazing support system. So at Diana, I have that is Laurence and she's, I've been working with her for more than 10 years, like 15 years, I think. Uh, and she's, I trust her so much. So, and the marketing team is incredible. So that's, that's super helpful. And the team I've built today, the brand, my brand is, is now becoming a support system. So that's why I'm able to come back a bit on social media. Cause I was, I was gone for two years cause we were not in that place, but now we're getting there. But then, um, my family is my life. It's everything. So I drop my kid to school every day. I do the night routine almost every night. And that means I'm going to work after they're in bed. And, and, but I know it's not forever. And they go, they're little for not such a long time. So I really, really want to enjoy and be present. As much as I'm working on, and I'm not there yet, but my husband is my source of inspiration there. I think for kids, it's not the quantity, it's more the quality and so if you manage to be very present when you're with them, uh, that's what matters the most. And, and, and that's something I, I, must, I may struggle with, but I've gotten much better because I have so much thing in my head with work. And sometimes I'm here and I can see that I'm thinking of work. And, uh, and I look at my husband and he's so there. Like when he's with them, like that's it. Like nobody else is there in his head. And so I've really like made a point now to be, present and i'm still working on it but it's very inspiring to see that and that that creates like more quality time with the family i'm so happy to hear you say that because i realize that a lot of the times i'm with them physically but mentally i'm thinking about work or or i'm concerned about something and it is it is to me more exhausting to be in those two spots than to be fully in, in one or the other. And I've been, I've been in the same spot. I'm making so much of an effort to clear my head. And when I'm with him, I'm with him. So I love, it's nice to hear that I'm not alone in that struggle. Yeah, definitely not. I'm there with you. Oh my gosh. So one thing I like to ask, uh, all my guests, uh, as we wrap this up is what is a piece of advice you've either learned the hard way that you would love to pass on or that, um, someone gave to you that was actually valuable. You know, the most amazing advice I ever had in my life was when I started doing makeup, I was back from New York and I didn't meet then. No, I didn't meet Karen yet. I was doing all these shoots for free. Like, I will take anything. This hairstyler is much more, like, she, she's been working in this, in this world for much longer than me. She was much more established on one of the shoots. She told me, you know, the best advice I could give you is, like, give yourself four years. 
give everything you have for four years to make it work. But if it doesn't work, just let it go. It's okay. You'll do something else. That was incredible because I allow myself to give everything I have because I knew at the end it will stop if it wasn't working. To give everything you have without knowing if it's going, if there is a goal and a time where this energy you're spending is gonna like it's gonna stop. Like it's just mentally, it's really really hard. So when you know. You know, it's like almost like when you're working out, you're going to run, you're going to know exactly where you stop, you're going to be able to really give everything you have. But if you never know when you're going to stop, you can't. So you're saving up. And so I was able to give everything I had. And then at the same time, I knew, I fed this idea of what is my plan B? If that doesn't work out, what else am I going to do? That took away the pressure I could put on this life to work out. Like it was fine. I would become an interior designer. And so it released the pressure, allowed me to work much better, allowed me also to took my ego out of the equation because I had a plan B. And to this day, I still have a plan B. Like you never know, you know, it's not the hardest not to be number one is to stay number one. And again, I don't care about being number one, but like when you reach that position, you want, you always dreamed to be in like work is not finished. So I never know if I'm going to keep these two jobs that I love so much and love some like I'm doing now and be so happy. Things can fall down and completely crash. In that sense, I already have a plan B in my head and I take away all the pressure. And maybe that's what's helping me with having no fear in the end, you know. I love that you have a plan B and um, I, I totally agree with you. It's hard to stay when you get to a certain level. It's definitely harder to stay than hard to get there. Um, yeah. So then my last question for you is what would we be surprised to know about you? I'm like an old lady. I listen to classical music. I like to read books and pet my cats and do gardening. And I, I have a very, like, I have lots of friends that I love so much that work in industry. But if there is an event or party, like, most likely I'm not going to attend. Like, I'm really not... People sometimes imagine my life to be uh, super sexy, cool, and glittery. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I come home, take care of my kids, and then that's all I care. I like, be with my cats and <laughs> like, read a book and drink some herbal tea, you know? <laughs> I'm sh- I am surprised because when you said you lived in, in Brooklyn, I was like, but I never see her out anywhere. And now, and I, now I know why. <laughs> so I thought you lived in Paris because I was like, Oh, she must not, you know, she'll just live in Paris and come into New York every once in a while. So um, that is surprising. Um, and, and the opposite of what most people think someone in your world, right, would be doing. So I love the, I love the opposite of it. Um, so where can everyone follow you, watch you, buy, buy your products, all the good things? So you can buy our products on our website, violetefer.com. You can follow me on my social media, which is the same. We're starting a bit on TikTok. um, And I launched a YouTube channel years ago, but I I let it sleep for a while because I was building the brand. But now I'm coming back. So soon I'll be back on that as well. Soon we can watch you. That's great. Yeah. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy 
way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week. Sponsored by Magnum Non-Dairy. Magnum Non-Dairy is the same chocolate treat without the dairy. All of the indulgence of a Magnum ice cream bar without the dairy. Magnum ice cream believes that more is more. More chocolate, more decadence, more options. From classics to doubles, duets and minis to non-dairy, Magnum ice cream offers over 28 flavors for any kind of sweet craving. This is truly an indulgence for everyone. Follow Indulgence to MagnumIceCream.com to discover every flavor and find Magnum Ice Cream at a store near you.